Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Om Jnana Timirandasya Jnana Anjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Viditam Dina Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Jaya Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhara Srivasadi Gaura Bhaktarinda Hare Krishna Hare Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Hare Hare, Gaur Premanande, Hare Hare Bo. So in the Srimad Bhagavatam, we're given encouragement to begin from where we are now and to make progress from whatever state we're in. Krishna describes in the Bhagavad Gita how the natures that we have come naturally in this uh, particular body that we have because of our previous associations. They're very strong because associations means associating with the three modes of material nature. They're called gunas or ropes. And a word that Prabhupada frequently uses in his commentary in the Bhagavad Gita and translation is that when we associate in the material world, we acquire the modes. And uh, a particularly often quoted verse, or Srila Prabhupada often quotes it, and so do other acharyas, is Purusha Prakriti Stohi Bhunte Prakriti Jan Gunan Karanam Gunasangosya Sarasadyoni Janmasu. That is, that by Sangha, or connection, or association with the three modes of material nature, we acquire them, and therefore, we attain various levels of existence. Some on a spectrum are good and bad. In the overall scheme of things, they're all bad because we're somehow or other ensconced in matter. However, the mode of goodness is better. Krishna says, Yesham tontakatam papam jananam punyakarmanam te tondva mohanir mukta bhajantimam dridavrta. When one becomes purified of, of rajas and tamas and comes to the sattvagun, then one can act with determination. Otherwise, we're constantly disturbed by rajas, which is like smoke, and tamas, which is called uh, abominable. It just is a complete degradation, degra a completely degraded situation. So, one should not lament. Krishna encourages us, and so do all the acharyas, for whatever situation we're in now. Um, he says, "Das uh, Shukadev Goswami in the Srimad Bhagavatam, as you well know, Kirata Hunandra Pulinda Pulkasha Abhira Shumma Yavana Kasadaya Yene Chapapa Yadapasha Yashaya Shudyanti Tasmai Pravavishnevena Maha." Whatever situation uh, you happen to be in, and he, he lists a lot of different types of people who are known at that time to uh, have deviated one way or another and gone off in, in, in a, a retrograde situation that is uh, outside the high standard of civilization <laughs> at the time. And says, uh, it doesn't matter. These people, uh, from whatever position they're starting from, can 
become purified. And in the Srimad Bhagavatam, Shukadeva Goswami says, Akama Sarva Kamova, Moksha Kama Udharati, Tivrena Bhakti Yogena, Yajeta Purusham Param. That whatever uh, you're after, you may have a desire, and the desire is born uh, mostly of our previous association. Uh, that is uh, our particular aspiration in life. He says, Akama Sarva Kamova. So you may be. Akama, which means you don't have any material desires. That's a kind of cultivation, or you've reached that point because of a kind of cultivation or association that you've had previously. Akama, sarvakamo, or you may have all material desires. You want everything. Uh, moksha kama, or you may have come to this feeling, as Bhaktivinoda Thakur describes in one of his commentaries to the Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita in the teachings of Sanat, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Sanatana Goswami, chapter 22, Madhulila, that there are three kinds of ways in which uh, we cultivate the heart. And one of them is um, through uh, association with those who want to liberate themselves from the material world, we, we get this sense of wanting to just give up the material world altogether and become liberated. And this is called moksha, moksha kama, I have a desire to be liberated. And Shukadev Goswami says, in, um, in any of these situations, one can come to the perfection of life by, or uh, uh, one can come to the perfection of life by taking to Tivrena Bhakti. Tivrena means like a ray of sun that's concentrated in a particular place. If you've ever taken a magnifying glass, and you concentrate the, the diffused rays into one single point of light on, for instance, a piece of paper or straw, then it will combust and burst into fire. Endless fun for kids at home. Kids, cover your ears. Don't try this at home. Uh, so he says, whatever, whatever desire you have, whatever configuration of body that's generating a particular kind of desire, you take to the path of devotional service and of the pure devotion, the pure devotional path, and you'll become successful. Not only will uh, you attain whatever it is you think you want, but, but you'll also attain pure devotional service. Or Krishna will give you what you want in such a way that you won't want it anymore, and you'll want to take to devotional service. One shouldn't be afraid of this. Because if we have a little intelligence, we can understand that what we want is born out of our pre previous conditioning. It's not actually us. It's, it's a kind of false sense of self that wants particular things in this world. And we can use our intelligence to understand that if I'll just be brave enough, devote, taking to devotional service and surrendering means you've got to have courage. And... Uh, don't just recede back into the material world and say, oh, I'll just go back to sleep again. But have a little courage and also have faith that Krishna knows what he's doing. It's very helpful to trust the doctor. And if we do that, then Krishna will arrange things in such a way that will fulfill our desires. We'll be able to work in such a way that's consonant 
with our particular nature, but we'll also become purified and attain pure devotional service. That's the premise of what I'm about to say today and, and with a little more specificity. Does anybody have any contention with the premise so far or like to hear more or, or think it should be embellished more or, or fleshed out? Can anybody restate the premise in one sentence with no semicolons? Probably you can do it. Go ahead. And then Shastrasar is ready also. Um, wherever you are, whatever your desires are, uh, start devotional service and Krishna will arrange everything else for you. Okay, if you're starting an advertising firm, you can hire him. Shastrasar Prabhu, go ahead. We need a microphone in the back because he always sits way in the back. It's the bleachers, nosebleed section. But he likes to be near the Shastra because that's his, his name. <laughs> Regardless of your situation, do bhakti. Thank you. You can join his firm. Yes. Okay, so that's clear. Now, I want to give some examples today of those who we might be able to relate to a particular attitude that they had and that, and that, and whose attitude, uh, the attitude that they had compelled them to take to Tivrena Bhakti. So the first one is Devahuti. And I would like to epitomize her attitude in taking to devotional service as I'm sick and tired. Have any of you ever had this attitude about anything in life? Oh, good. Very nice. Her hand went up right away. So if you've ever been sick and tired and I'm not going to take it anymore, you ever had that feeling? Your Dave Dibbern moment. Dave Dibbern was my friend in high school. He came, he came over to us bounding into our house one summer night. He lived two blocks away. He had shaved all his hair off, which was a cardinal sin at that time in history, and said, I've had enough. I'm not messing around anymore. I'm going to learn how to play the flute. <laughs> I'm getting serious now. <laughs> so, yeah, you have your Dave Dibbern moment. I'm tired of this. So let's read a little bit about... Devahuti's mentality. This is a, a helpful mood to have, and we might adopt any of these moods, or we might already be in this mood, but we can see how we can move forward from there. So first of all, let's hear how Devahuti expresses herself in this mood. Now, there's two marks in here, so I'm just, is it, it's the first mark, okay? Okay, thank you. So first let's examine the third canto, 25th chapter, The Glories of Devotional Service, which is an amazing chapter. If you have a little opening in your life, you should read this chapter over and over again. Try to memorize all the verses. Call in sick. Okay, uh, this is 325.7. Devahutir uvacha nirvina nitaram vuman asad indriya tarshanat yena sambhav yamanena prapannan dham tama prabho. Devahuti uvacha. Devahuti said, so she's the mother of Kapiladev. 
And Kapiladev is the incarnation of Krishna, who's appeared in her womb to come and teach a very specified knowledge. He's one of the incarnations that's named in the in the Shastra who will appear as the son of Devahuti. So she's speaking and she says, Nirvana, disgusted. Nitaram, very. So Nirvana Nitaram means she's really disgusted with, you'll see what she's disgusted with. So she, she's speaking to her son, Bhuman, oh my Lord. Asat, impermanent, Indriya, of the senses, Tarshanat, from agitation. Yena, by which, Sambhav Yama Nina, Sambhav Yama Nina, being prevalent, Prapanna, I have fallen. Andam Tama, into the abyss of ignorance, Prabho, O my Lord. So here's the translation. Devahuti said, I am very sick of the disturbance caused by my material senses. For because of this sense disturbance, my Lord, I have fallen into the abyss of ignorance. Srila Prabhupada's purport. Here the word asad indriya tarshanat is significant. Asat means impermanent, temporary, and indriya means senses. Thus, asad indriya tarshanat means from being agitated by the temporarily manifest senses of the material body. Where we are evolving through different statuses of material bodily existence, sometimes in a human body, sometimes in an animal body, and therefore the engagements of our material senses are also changing. Anything which changes is called temporary or asat. We should know that beyond these temporary senses are our permanent senses, which are now covered by the material body. The permanent senses, being contaminated by matter, are not acting properly. Devotional service, therefore, involves freeing the senses from this contamination. When the contamination is completely removed and the senses act in the purity of unalloyed Krishna consciousness, we have reached sud indriya, or eternal sensory activities. Eternal sensory activities are called devotional service, whereas temporary sensory activities are called sense gratification. Unless one becomes tired of material sense gratification, there's no opportunity to hear transcendental messages from a person like Kapila. Devahuti expressed that she was tired now that her husband had left home, she wanted to get relief by hearing the instructions of Lord Kapila. So this, um, again, some of the phraseology, she says, Nirvana Nitaram Bhuman. So she's calling out, basically saying that, oh my Lord, she knows her son is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Said, I'm I'm very disgusted with my senses. So the the uh, path forward then, Prabhupada mentions in the purport, is epitomized in or summarized in the verse Sarvopati Vanir Muktam Nirmalam Rishi Kena Rishi Kesha Sevanam Bhakti And that is that 
Devotional service means to actually use the senses, but for a different purpose. Rather than trying to use the senses to uh, find satisfaction in and of themselves, I engage them in, in service. In the mood of service, I'm using my senses, but I'm not thinking that I'm trying to uh, enjoy it. But I'm, I'm trying to give enjoyment to someone else, that service. And the person I'm giving enjoyment to in the conception of devo uh, pure devotional service is to the Hrishikesh, that is the master of the senses. So ex examine your hand and notice it's part of your body. It serves the whole body. And when the hand serves the body, then it's in its natural condition and it's happy. And similarly, when we serve Krishna, we're in our natural position and anandamayobhyasat, we're very happy, beyond happy, we're blissful. And when we try to serve ourselves independently, we get frustrated. And when we get tired of that experience of getting nowhere with our senses or actually getting a discordant result. As Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Yehi poka dukha evate buddha. And that is that when you become intelligent or an intelligent person notices that whenever I try to independently use my senses, I'm not under the authority of the Supreme Personality of God when I act. And this can go for our very lifetimes as well. The way we move about in the world becomes altogether frustrating when we try to make progress independent of Krishna, whenever we make dis, uh, decisions that are in line with uh, Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra, then we're moving properly in the world and we won't get an aberrant result. So, is that a word? Aberrant? Better look it up. Maybe I'm making stuff up. Uh, then, uh, Krishna says, if you just try to stimulate your senses, so the mind can be, is called the sense within. In other words, you're living for yourself and you're just trying to connect the senses to their object, get as comfortable as possible or get as much uh, sensory experience as possible that keeps you entertained. He says, yehi sam poka dukha evate. That's setting yourself up like you're, you're, going to get the result of misery. It's like it, it, that's what's coming out of the, the womb of this experience is, is misery is born. So a person becomes intelligent and thinks that doesn't work. Unfortunately, people don't know the verse, Sarvo Pati Vanir Muktam. It's not widely known. So oftentimes people think I should just restrict my senses and I should uh, become detached from the material world altogether. But there's not much wiggle room there because sooner or later you got to come back. It's like if you go on strike, there's a few people going on strike nowadays. It's not um, very common. It was more common in the 1970s. There was more unionization. It's been discouraged, but I won't go into politics. The, it's, there's, there's not as much it's a striking nowadays. But when people do go on strike and they're out of a job, then eventually they got to go work somewhere. They're going to come back. And if you're being chased somewhere, like in a dream, somebody's chasing you and then you, you duck into a broom closet, they're still out there. 
Uh, some sooner or later, you can't live in a broom closet, right? You're going to come out, and then you're going to be chased again. So this is the idea of the material senses. If you just try to run away from them, or you go on strike and say, I'm not serving you anymore, then sooner or later, you got to go back somewhere. And unless you've improved yourself, unless you've found the proper way to use your senses, then they're going to go back into sense gratification. Maybe a little bit, an inch at a time, until you're way back down into the material morass again. Or all at once. You can just make a royal de declaration. It didn't work. Now I'm going back in to the material world. In the, in the Srimad Bhagavatam, Shukadeva Goswami says, Yene Rivindakshava Muktamaninas, Tvayasta Bhavad Avashudha Budaya, Aruya Krishna Paramparam Tata, Patantyato Nadrita Yushmarangraya. Whatever way you've tried to arrange your life to get freedom from the senses and detachment from the material world that doesn't include attachment to Krishna means that you're in a shaky position. Avashuddha buddhaya means you didn't think it through very clearly. <laughs> it's, you didn't come to the proper conclusion. And therefore, however long you're able to maintain that, doesn't matter in eternity, you're still going to fall back down again. You'll, you still have to become attached to some kind of sense gratification unless you get the superior thing, which Krishna mentions in the Bhagavad Gita, vishaya vinivartante nirahara sedehina rasavarjam rasopyasya param drishvanivartate. If you're able to engage your senses in Krishna's service, in yene ravindaksha, you're able to uh, actually develop an attachment for the Supreme Personality of Godhead and His service, and your senses become purified, then you have locus standi. Did you look up the word to see if it was fake or real? What is it? What word? Aberrant? Aberrant is causing or deserving strong dislike or hatred. Um, <clears throat> it says it's from the 1600s, recoiling, strongly opposed to, from Latin aberrantum, which is inappropriate. Present participle of aber, shrink back from, be remote from, be out of harmony with, meaning repugnant and loathsome. Repugnant, okay. Thank you very much. Yes? Aberrant. A B B E R A N T. A B B. A B E R. A B E R. A -B -E -R. Is that's the word? Is that what you gave me definition to? You said abhorrent. Aberrant. Can you look that one up? Aberrant is an adjective. It means departing from an accepted standard. And in biology, it also means diverging from the normal type. Now I can't even remember the context that I used it in. <laughs> in any case, now we got it straight. Okay, so this is... Uh, Nonetheless, Devahuti, exhibiting this attitude of I'm sick and tired, I'm fully disgusted. Nirvinna means I'm disgusted with it. Disgust is a good emotion if you know where to go with it. Otherwise, you can become bitter or you can just take refuge in lower modes of nature to try to quell this, this sense of, of disgust. 
However, Devahuti is doing it the right way. She's reaching out to the authority, Krishna, and saying, I'm disgusted, therefore uh, please instruct me how to get free from this sense of, of uh, futility, engaging in, in sense gratification and always getting the uh, opposite result of, of what I want. Okay, so this is the first attitude that can arise in this world and and which can be helpful and which we can also use if you notice a, a, a sense of disgust you can remember devahuti and then watch how she was able to employ that in a in a way to become elevated spiritually so there's five attitudes we're going to discover today or pinpoint and this is the first one if you'd like to make a comment or ask a question please do Yes, Krishna Saka Prabhu. Uh, Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, thank you uh, for uh, bringing this. Uh, um, actually, I was reading uh, Ayla Gita, 11th Canto, in that uh, King Pururava also was disgusted. In that it is like 13th verse, I was just reading, it says, To hell with me. Uh, he was saying, because he was, uh, um, uh, he was attracted to uh, Ur Urvasi and um, he was very disgusted and in the 14th verse he says uh, uh, who else than supreme lord will save me so yeah so now if you ever get a crush on somebody and you can't shake it then read this section <laughs> in the in fact people come to me all the time he's like i can't get her out of my heart it's like okay here's your medicine read this so uh him or her so the the, the thing is that um Bhagavatam covers all psychological uh, conditions of the human being. He knows us well. It's Krishna. He knows. And he's so merciful. He's come in this form to say to us, here's you. Take a look. And you go, oh, my God, that is me. And then, <laughs> and then here's how to process it. We're safe with the Bhagavatam. It, the Bhagavatam is Krishna. He takes us by the hand. And he says, Here, here's how to get out of this in a, in a dignified way, to, get, to move out of this uh, situation, which is a kind of degradation by the, the three modes of material nature. So, yes, in the Ayla Gita, we, we find this uh, situation where Pururava becomes um, enamored of Urvashi, so much so that uh, he starts uh, acting below his station by, by a mile or two, or a thousand. And then we can see, uh, here's how this unfolds. And it's it always unfolds like that, sooner or later. Uh, Subhadra. Um, you used it in the sentence, you'll get an aberrant result. Okay, does that work or not? Yes. Yay, we win. Okay, <laughs> thank you very much. Vaikuntha Nayaka, coming to us from Mysore, uh, the home of Mysore Pak and the Mysore Palace. Maharaj, I have a question. You talked about disgust with uh, the material senses, the material enjoyment. You talked about disgust. But uh, sometimes, is it possible that Maybe disgust is not the word, but frustration. 
uh, even when we are in devotional service, we see that our efforts, maybe the preaching efforts that we are trying to do, it's not increasing or things like that, or book distribution efforts, not in, um, there is no results to that and you get frustrated. Uh, people are not reciprocating and things like that. So I know it's a very mature uh, thing situation to be in, but that's where I am. So if you could give some uh, suggestion on what could be the cause of it and how to keep going uh, in such a situation, that will really help me. The way to keep going is to redefine your life and start over again. Because oftentimes we've, we become frustrated by self-imposed goals and values. I say, I have to be like this. I'm comparing myself to other people. It's like, why can't you be more like Chopati? It's like, good luck. They have Radhanaswamy there, so how are you going to be like Chopati anywhere else? So, you know, any, any way you put yourself into a, a, a frame and you say, I have to be like this, it has to be like that, then it becomes very difficult. Great news, you can redefine what success looks for. for uh, looks like for you. As an example, since you mentioned book distribution, this happens all the time. That's yeah, like that. So sometimes devotees go out on book distribution and then they say, I'm frustrated. And I say, why are you frustrated? Because I couldn't distribute a book. Then say, okay, change the, the reason you're going out. Don't go out to distribute a book. Just start with being a hero for walking out the door in the first place. And if you move it back to where you can handle it, then that's more reasonable. Uh, don't move it all the way back to like I thought about going out. <laughs> but move it back to a, a point of being reasonable that, yes, I'm, I'm doing the best I can with what I have and I'm, and I'm going to engage myself like that. Because you can remember that birds fly in the sky as high as they're able. The sky's unlimited. So whatever number you pick, it's not extremely significant. It's just the, how much we can develop capacity towards reaching various goals to improve ourselves and refine ourselves according to the way Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita that we should. That is, we should develop tolerance as an example. And one of the reasons that it's important, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur said, to go out to teach Krishna consciousness to others. One example is by, through book distribution. It's a very purposeful and efficient way to do it, is to get purified. He said, uh, you should write. He told everyone, you should write. But don't do it to get your name on a book, because then you'll be frustrated. In fact, I was just talking to a best-selling artist, uh, author the other day, and he said, writing a book is the hardest slog you'll ever go through in your life. He said, unless you're prepared for blood, sweat, and tears, then don't get into it. And Prabhupada writes that when you write something, you should do it just for your own purification. In fact, he mentions that some of the great Acharya authors, they weren't thinking about being published. They were just using it as a forum to consolidate their ideas. So the difference between frustration is like, well, I didn't get enough hits on the internet. Jay Shetty got <laughs> 10 billion hits. He's the top guy on the entire social media. It's like, why can't I be Jay Shetty? Well, why don't you just be yourself? 
in fact, there's a, there's a famous uh, marketing expert. His name is uh, Seth Godin. And he talks like this all the time. He said, you don't need a billion. You just need a little a group to express your values where they share and, and you know, be real. Be who you are. Be self-contained. Don't try to be somebody else. We get really frustrated when we try, when we look at someone else and say, I have to speak like such and such. Well, I can't. You can speak like yourself and speak from your heart. That's when people actually listen, when you're truthful, sincere, and you actually hold forth in a way that people realize that they're speaking according to realization and not trying to, they're not affected with an A and saying that, you know, I'm something more than I am or trying to be somebody else. People like when you're yourself. And as a great poet once said, they don't try to be somebody, somebody else. It's better to be yourself. All the other uh, positions are taken. You know, you, you can just be yourself. So it's kind of helpful in that way. And the, 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 fr the sense of frustration in one's service means that we should look for uh, ways that we can uh, work around the particular problem that's facing us and that that always leads to some kind of breakthrough. That's why we came up with that saying during the pandemic that workarounds bring turnarounds. I kept um, seeing that there al there's always something. This is, uh, you should expect this. There's always gonna be some blockade to anything you do. And then if you make an ultimatum and said, then I can't do it. Okay, then you can't. You just painted yourself into a corner and now you're stuck. And never uh, walk away, but always look for a workaround. Okay, what's the next workaround? Keep looking for workaround. Can we work around this? Yeah, we go. Hey, it looks even better than than we thought in the first place. So, remember the great kung fu? Uh, was he kung fu? I hope I'm not making a blasphemy against uh, what was his name? Most famous Bruce Lee. It's kung fu. Chi Gong. Sorry, I made an offense. Sorry, Bruce. Uh, but he, there's a recording of him talking about being like water. He speaks with that, that charming accent that he had, and he, you know, it's like, mind like water, be like water, go around it. Water's relentless. It, it finds a crack somewhere. It's like, okay, it's stop here. You can't go any further. Like, yeah, but there's a crack way over there. It's like, ooh, now it all goes down the crack. There's some place to go. So frustration just means there's a workaround, we're being called to make a workaround so that we can find something better, another path to go to. And you can count on the fact that there's always gonna be a blockade, always some problem. And you can look it up in history. Every great breakthrough came from some frustration. You look it up in the Bhagavatam, every great realization breakthrough came when somebody got cursed. I guarantee you, you can trace it back. <laughs> They're like, okay, you're cursed. You're going to be an elephant now. It's like, oh my God. And then how's that going to work out? Fine. If you just look for the workaround. And so frustration is the door to enlightenment. Embrace it and try to go find the way around it. Pray to Krishna and there'll be a silver lining. Sorry, that was a cliche. Okay. So now we're going to go to the next attitude because we're running out of time. And the next one, the next iconic personality that I think we can relate to is Dhruva Maharaj. 
And I would like to epitomize his attitude as I'll show them. I'll show them. And my mother used to say, my mama uvacha. <laughs> she used to say, never underestimate the power of all show them. She used to tell us kids that. She said, never underestimate the power of all show them. If you get it in yourself to steam, like, okay, they said I, they said I couldn't do it. Now I'm going to do it. I'm going to make sure it happens. And you'll you find throughout history, but the best of all of them, obviously, um, and that's the Bhagavatam. It's the best of the best is Dhruva Maharaj. I'll show them. And here is his statement. This is from four eight thirty seven. So he had met uh, at this point Nardamuni, and Nardamuni. Now Druva was a child. Summary for those who don't know the context: Druva was a child. He was a prince. He grew up in a palace. He had more than one mother, and he had one father, the king. So one day, out of a sense of want to be included, as a little boy would to sit on the lap of his father with his stepbrother. He tried to climb on his father's lap. And the stepmother was there. She was appreciating that her son was sitting on the lap of the father, the king. And specifically because there was a sense in the palace that she was the favorite of all the, all the queens. Things happen. So as Juva was trying to get on his father's lap out of affection and out of wanting to be included, the stepmother said, no, you don't. Can't, can't go there. And in fact, not in this lifetime. What was most frustrating was the king didn't do anything about it because he was henpecked. He was, there was a sense that he, he couldn't speak against his wife. So he just let it happen. And Druva developed this sense. It welled up in his heart. Remember I talked about conditioning? So kshatriyas have this mix of goodness and passion. And the passionate nature is the wanting to be the best, wanting to excel, and I'll show them. Like they go into battle. It's like, you want to see this? Okay, come over here. Let's fight. So that sense welled up in Juva's heart that, okay, I'm going to do something about this. He ran to his biological mother, who was very sympathetic, but there was nothing she could really do. Somebody had suggested, perhaps it was his stepmother, that, uh, you know, God can help you next life. You can try it. So Druva had that in his mind when he went to his mother and she confirmed, yes, only God can help you. Where's God in the forest? That's where great yogis, sages go. He said, that's where I'm going. I don't care what anybody says. I'm out of here. With that mood of I'll show them, he headed for the forest, not really having a clear plan. After all, he was only five years old and he had never really studied the science of yoga before or how to find God, but he just knew, 
I'm doing this because I want payback. Now he met his guru. This is an important instruction also that if you want a guru like Narada Muni, you better have a desire like Juva Maharaj. And Narada intercepted him by Krishna's arrangement, always happens, and gave him some good instruction, moral instruction, said, here's how you relate to people. If it doesn't work out, then you can just uh, be patient and don't become uh, overwrought with these feelings that you have now. And Dhruva said, thank you, Sadhuji. Appreciate it. It's really good instruction, but I'm still going to the forest. <laughs> and it was a test. Narada wanted to see how determined he actually was, and when he found out how determined he was and what he wanted, Narada gave him good instruction about how to actually do the yoga process, which Dhruva carried out to such a degree that he personally met the Lord face to face, who then fulfilled his material desire. By that time, Dhruva didn't want it. By what time? By the time he saw Krishna, when he was already purified, he thought, what did I ask for? This was a big mistake. Nonetheless, it shows, and he's the epitome, Dhruva Maharaj, in fact, mentioned in commentaries related to the verse, Chatur Vida Bhajante Mam Jana Sukritino Arjuna, Arto Jignasa Artarti Gyani Cha Bharatarshava. He wanted something, and he wanted the Lord to fulfill his desire. In the process, he took away, did the Lord, Dhruva's sense of wanting the, the revenge and also wanting some grandeur in the material world. So, here's Dhruva Maharaj at 4.8.37. He says, O learned Brahmana, I want to occupy a position more exalted than any yet achieved within the three worlds by anyone, even by my fathers and grandfathers. If you will oblige, kindly advise me of an honest path to follow by which I can achieve the goal of my life. Purport. When Dhruva Maharaj refused to accept the Brahminical instruction of Narada Muni, naturally the next question would be what sort of instruction he wanted. So even before Narada Muni asked, Dhruva Maharaj expressed his heartfelt desire. His father, of course, was the emperor of the entire world, and his grandfather, Lord Brahma, was the creator of the universe. Dhruva Maharaj expressed his desire to possess a kingdom better than those of his father and grandfather. He frankly stated that he wanted a kingdom which had no competitor within the three worlds, namely the higher, middle, and lower planetary systems. The greatest personality within this universe is Lord Brahma, and Dhruva Maharaj wanted a position even greater than his. He wanted to take advantage of Narada Muni's presence because he knew very well that if Narada Muni, the greatest devotee of the Lord, could bless him or show him the path, then certainly he would be able to occupy a more exalted position than any person within the three worlds. Thus, he wanted help from Nardaji to achieve that position. Juva Maharaj wanted a position greater than that of Brahma. This was practically an impossible proposition. But by pleasing the Supreme Personality of God, a devotee can achieve even the impossible. One particular point mentioned here is that Juva Maharaj wanted to occupy an exalted position not by hook or by crook, but by honest means. This indicates that if Krishna offered him such a position, 
then he would accept it. That is the nature of a devotee. He may desire material gain, but if he accepts it only if Krishna offer, but he accepts it only if Krishna offers it. Dhruva Maharaj was sorry to refuse the instruction of Narada Muni, therefore he requested him to be merciful to him by showing him a path by which he could fulfill his mind's desire. Make no mistake, this desire he has for a kingdom is based on revenge. It's all show you. That's what got him going. It wasn't that he, he just was lusty for everything, but he, as a Kshatriya, that conditioning, it sparked in him such a desire that I, I want to outshine everybody. Th that did it. It pushed him over the edge, and he had that mood of all show them, and that gave him the determination to move forward. Nonetheless, he still had a sense because of good association, uh, because he was actually an exalted soul, but then by the association of his guru, Narada Muni, that it has to come from Krishna. And I want to get it from Krishna. And this is an important point. It comes up in the story of Kardama Muni also, when he's engaged in meditation for thousands of years, and then he meets Lord Narayan directly. And in his prayers, he mentions that, I need a wife. And Narayan says, I know that. Why wouldn't I know that? Uh, I'm the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and I've already arranged it for you. And there, Prabhupada says that whenever you have some kind of material desire or request, best to leave it to Krishna because, this, because you can ask yourself, who knows better, you or him? Yeah, we don't know because we uh, pick things all the time, and then it turns out like, I love it, I love it, I hate it, I hate it. But Krishna knows how to fulfill our desires in such a way that it all works together. So that's an important aspect. Nonetheless, the mood is there. You can see the, that the mood of a Kshatriya, and this is what he wants. Now Dhruva is famous because he dedicated his energies towards following his guru, Narada Muni, and he also had a sense that only take it if it comes from Krishna. Comments and questions? Three, two, one. Okay. So Maharaj, uh, when Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was teaching Srila Sanatan Goswami, he was particularly mentioning about this aspect that how Krishna thinks about the devotees when they ask for something material. And you are saying, Krishna kahe ama bhaje mage vishaya shuk, amrita sari bish mage ei varamurk. Like Krishna is thinking that, oh, he is worshipping me, but he is asking for material enjoyment. He is getting, uh, he is not asking for nectar or he is uh, leaving nectar and asking for some poison. But I am intelligent, so why I will give him the poison? So I will make him forget the poison and I will give him the nectar of my lotus feet. By that he will be satisfied. Yes, we find with Juva Maharaj that even after he attained Krishna because of the intensity of his devotional service, and he said, Swamin Kritartosmi Baram Nayache, that I was searching for broken bits of glass, but now what I got was a real jewel. But still, the Lord made him take the other benediction. He said, No, 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 take, take, take. 
He gave, he gave him all that. Uh, and it, it was sort of a lament for, for Juva Maharaj that, like, God, why did I ask for that? I shouldn't have, shouldn't have taken it. Nonetheless, there's a way in which he gave it to him and Juva used it in Krishna's service for many, many years. What was it? 30, 36,000 years or something like that. Some benediction. Srivast Prabhu. Um, fifth Canto, 19th Chapter, 27th verse. Fifth Canto, 19th Chapter, 57th verse. 27th verse. Hare Krishna. <laughs> oh, this is it. Go ahead and say it, Srivast Prabhu. Satyam dishatyartitamartito nrinam naivarthado yad punarartita yataha swayam vidate bhajatam anichatam ichapidanam nijapada pallavam. Translation, please. The Supreme Personality of God fulfills the material desires of a devotee who approaches him with such motives, but he does not bestow benedictions upon the devotee that will cause him to demand more benedictions again. However, the Lord willingly gives the devotee shelter at his own lotus feet, even though such a person does not aspire for it. And that shelter satisfies all his desires. That is the Supreme Personality's special mercy. So, akama sarvakamova, one has all desires. It's inevitable that we'll start from some situation whatever it is that sparks us to take shelter of the supreme personality of godhead srimad bhagavatam shukadeva goswami says don't worry it'll be purified okay uh, one more i like the point where it said that uh, devotional service is about making the impossible possible I was actually reflecting on your own example, like when you set up goals every year, it sounds so impossible and how it becomes possible just by the devotion. Well, we're praying service. right now, actually. <laughs> and to be honest, we're constantly running scared because we, you know, it always seems impossible and Krishna always fills it. So living kind of on the edge is, uh, I don't know. It's kind of fun lifestyle, in a way, and it's not good for sleep. But um, my God brother, the exalted Mahatma Prabhu, he always likes to say, uh, "We have fun showing that the impossible is possible." He said, "This is the fun of the Krishna conscious movement, <laughs> making the impossible possible." Yeah. Okay. So, uh, who do the two personalities we have so far? And what epitomizes her mood? Yeah, disgust. I've had enough. I've had it. That's it. No more. No moss. And the second one? And his mood is? I'll show them. Okay. Yes, one more point. 
I, I was just um, going to reflect on what Madhuri said. Um, I was dressing the deities and I was going on uh, praying to Mahaprabhu, uh, touching his lotus feet that make this happen, <laughs> make this happen. I don't know how I'm going to get so many enrollments in the next few weeks. I don't know how we're going to achieve the goal. So uh, that was one point that I was just thinking about. The, uh, it's 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 um, scary. Dominar Vamsidari will go, no problem, <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> That's his mantra. I okay. also wanted to yes, please. For, for Devahuti, she's saying that, um, you know, she's disgusted uh, once in Bhagavatam and then she takes the, she takes over, listens to Kapil Dev and perfects her life. For living entities like me who, who get frustrated, I mean, disgusted every day about the senses. What is it that, uh, you know, for, it could be a few weeks going fine and then you say that, oh my gosh, you know, whatever you worked on, you're like down the drain again. Again, you have to get up and work hard. Any tips on how how to slowly get rid of this uh, waxing and waning? Prabhupada says that in Chaturmasya, which is upon us now, heavy austerities were performing by not eating spinach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's but people do. It, traditionally, in Vedic culture, they would perform severe austerities during the Chaturmasya period. In fact, even in early ISKCON, and maybe even today, in some places in the world, people take these heavy austerities. One of them is, just for a little levity here, that you only eat Havishan, which is some mung and rice boiled together, no spice, no salt. Yum, yum. Vapi smaranbhavam. So... But that's not all. You clean a place on the floor. I'm not talking about a plate on the floor. On the floor, you clean a place. You put the Havishan on the ground. And then you eat with your hands behind your back. You get on your knees and you go down to eat the food just right off the floor. With you. And as much as you can eat, and it's only once a day, with your hands behind your back, once you come up for air, you come back up, that's it. That's all you get for the day. That's one of the austerities for Chaturmasya. Fun for the whole family. <laughs> Great new diet idea. <laughs> I remember my godbrother, he used to love to eat, but he'd follow Chaturmasya. I was usually gone during that time because I'd go away to India for a little while, and then I'd come back. And when I left, he was robust and when I whenever I'd come back after that period he looked like Gandhi. <laughs> and why did I bring that up? Because because Prophet says in the light of the Bhagavat that our lifetime is a Chaturmasya like existence. Now how does it compare? Because after performing these austerities, these Chaturmasya uh Austerities. Why Chaturmasya? It's during the four months of a rainy season. You can't go out anyway. But in those days, there were no uh, stable roads to travel on during uh, the flooding times when the rain was were coming so heavily. Therefore, students and ascetics, they would stay in. They stay in a shelter and they just perform austerities. And during that time, it's hard to tell how you're being transformed. I'm not recommending these austerities. That's not the austerities of Vaishnavism. But 
if you stay in one place and you practice very intensely, after a while you just take it as normal. The time you realize it is when you get in the cab and you're heading out and you go, oh my God, the world's different. It didn't change, I changed. I'm, I'm reformed, I'm a different person now because I took this. And in our lifetime, Prabhupada says, we're in a Chaturmasya-like existence. If you're following four regulative principles and chanting 16 rounds, you're doing heavy austerities, actually. Once when uh, some disciples were asking Prabhupada on an initiation day, they said, do, do we have to fast today? And Prabhupada said, you're already fasting. You don't eat meat, fish, or eggs. For the rest of the world, that's fasting, because that's what everybody else eats and lives for, in fact. So you don't know it. You can't see it. But then Prabhupada says, when you leave this body, that's when you'll see it all. And as long as we're in a, in a physical body, we're going to have problems. And there are going to be some anxieties and so forth. Especially if you take responsibility for something. But when you leave the body, even the moving up to that point, when you look back and you realize, oh, guess what? I kind of just used my whole lifetime for Krishna consciousness, which is what you're going to see, because that's all you've ever done. And then... You know, when, when you leave the body, then you'll realize this bodily existence, you know, I just used the body just fully for, for Krishna's service. And it was, a, there were a lot of troubles involved, but yeah, I did the right thing. You got a good life. Better than good, a great life. Okay, next one. We have Bharat Maharaj after he took care of the little fawn. And what happened when he passed away? He took another body. What did he, be, what did he get in the next body? And what did he think when he went into the beer, deer's body? He thought... Never again. Have you ever had that attitude? Never again. I'm never doing this again. Of course, that can happen and then you find yourself doing it again. <laughs> but when it becomes so strong, this mood, never again, and you channel that into your devotional service, then you have this very strong impetus. So we should cultivate that. And here we go from the fifth canto. And here we have 5829. 5828 and 29. Here, Bart Maharaj, after being the undisputed emperor of the world, having everything, and then having the glory of walking away from it all. I mean, what could be better than that? and then blowing it on a little deer. After I joined the Christian Conscious Movement, just a little anecdote, I felt like a great hero walking away from the material world, joining the Christian Conscious Movement, ha, 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 beat the system, I'm out of here. I made it inside the ashram. And then they told me, you're way too skinny, you gotta eat. So I took it seriously. And at the Sunday program, they always had freezing cold sweet rice which is like heavenly nectar. 
And I have to admit that after, I think, my third week there, I drank so much sweet rice that I went next door to the garage that was attached to the temple, and I leaned against the wall, and the thought came through my head, headlines in the Lafayette newspaper. <laughs> Kid renounces the world and dies of overeating. <laughs> and I did think, never again <laughs> will I eat drink 20 cups of sweet rice after the Sunday feast. So we can come to this point. Think of Bart Maharaj, his situation to the 10th power, that he had been this great emperor king. He had come into the, you know, he had the good sense to walk away from it all, and he had performed intense austerities, meditating on Narayan within the sun, doing his mantras, taking bath several times a day, and just... He was so advanced that, you know, he had tears coming from his eyes and his hair was always wet from just having bathed and staying totally squeaky clean. And then all of a sudden it just, he, in such a, such a way that it was, it's such a trivial matter actually, ultimately. In fact, I've seen on the internet a few videos of little fawns that got separated from their mother and it is a little uh, compelling when a fawn comes up, you know, and rubs against your leg, and then you think, oh, God, we can't, you know, what are we going to do? Let's take him in, you know? So when he realized that he had been snared again by Maya, and he had to take the body of a deer, then he had this intense feeling. Here he goes. Although in the body of a deer, Bharat Maharaj, due to his rigid devotional service and his past life, could understand the cause of his birth in that body. Considering his past and present life, he constantly repented his activities, speaking in the following way. Purport, this is a special concession for a devotee. Even if he attains a body that is non-human, by the grace of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, he advances further in devotional service, whether by remembering his past life or by natural causes. It is not easy for a common man to remember the activities of his past life, but Bharat Maharaj could remember his past activities due to his great sacrifices and engagement in devotional service. 29. In the body of a deer, Bharat Maharaj began to lament. What misfortune! I have fallen from the path of the self-realized. I gave up my real son's wife and home and to advance in spiritual life, and I took shelter in a solitary holy place in the forest. I became self-controlled and self-realized, and I engaged constantly in devotional service, hearing, thinking, chanting, worshiping, and remembering the Supreme Personality of Godhead Vasudev. I was successful in my attempt, so much so that my mind was always absorbed in devotional service. However, due to my personal foolishness, my mind again became attached this time to a deer. Now I have attained the body of a deer and have fallen far from my devotional practices. Purport, due to his stringent execution of devotional service, Maharaj Bharat could remember the activities of his past life and now he was raised to the spiritual platform. And how he was raised to the spiritual platform. Due to his foolishness, he became attached to an insignificant deer and thus fell down and had to accept the body of a deer. This is significant for every devotee. 
If we misuse our position and think that we are fully engaged in devotional service and can do whatever we like, we have to suffer like Bharat Maharaj and be condemned to accept the type of body that impairs our devotional service. Only the human form is able to execute devotional service, but if we voluntarily give up, give this up for sense gratification, we certainly have to be punished. This punishment is not exactly like that endured by an ordinary, uh, ordinary materialistic person. By the grace of the Supreme Lord, a devotee is punished in such a way that his eagerness to attain the lotus feet of Lord Vasudeva is increased. By his intense desire, he returns home in the next lifetime. Devotional service is very completely described here. Tad Anushravana Mana Manana Sankirtananar Dananusparana Biyogina. The constant hearing and chanting of the glories of the Lord is recommended in Bhagavad Gita. Satatam Kirtayantomam Yatantashjadravata. Those who have taken everyone okay? Got enough air? You sure? Those who have taken to Krishna consciousness should be very careful that not a single moment is wasted and not a single moment is spent without chanting and remembering the Supreme Personality of Godhead and his activities. By his own actions and by the actions of his devotees, Krishna teaches us how to become cautious in devotional service. Through the medium of Bharat Maharaj, Krishna teaches us that we must be careful in the discharge of devotional service. If we want to keep our minds completely fixed without deviation, we must engage them in devotional service full-time. As far as the members of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness are concerned, they have sacrificed everything to push on this Krishna Consciousness movement. Yet they must take a lesson from the life of Bharat Maharaj to be very cautious and to see that not a single moment is wasted in frivolous talk, sleep, or voracious eating. Eating is not prohibited, but if we eat voraciously, we shall certainly sleep more than required. Sense gratification ensues, and we may be degraded to a lower form, life form. In that way, our spiritual progress may be checked, at least for the time being. The best course is to take the advice of Srila Rupa Goswami, of Yarta Kalatwam. We should see that every moment of our lives is utilized for the rendering of devotional service and nothing else. This is the secure position for one wanting to re return home back to Godhead. It's a great lesson. And we also hear of this in the Bhagavatam when we get to visit the living entity within the womb who becomes conscious of the fact that Again, I'm in a womb, and now I'm in a serious trouble because the living entity who's fortunate in that situation, who remembers, begins to pray to the Lord, interestingly, that let me stay here. Because right now I'm conscious and I, I want to serve you, but as soon as I'm pushed out of the birth channel, the senses which are intrinsically connected to their objects in the material world, they're part and parcel, then I'll be externally focused and I'll forget again and I'll end up back here again. Have you ever had that sense? Here I go again, how did I get back here? <laughs> and so developing this, this sense, never again, that we got from Bharat Maharaj. You can see it when he came in his next life as Judd Bharat, never again. I don't care what anybody says, I don't care what anybody offers me, whatever, 
I'm sticking to the strictest path there possibly is. He became dead to the world. Doesn't mean we become antisocial or drop out of everything, but we should have that resolve within our heart that this is it. No mas, uh, no more messing around, only Christian consciousness. What do you think? Yes. Haribo. Two points? Yes, Prabhu. It's better with air, right? Life goes better with air. Oh, and microphones, too. We can offer microphones to these exalted souls who are dedicating their lives to Krishna consciousness and are about to speak. A couple of points. Uh, one that was mentioned about uh, one should not be voracious heater. Don't be voracious eater and also speak into the mic. Hare Krishna. Yes. Yeah, so I was just uh, I was just recollecting that yesterday. You got to turn it just slightly. We had a Stanford program and uh, Prashadam was good. So I was eating and thinking the next day is Ekadashi, so there will be a little austerity. But then, <laughs> but that's what Srila Prabhupada mentions. Next day you won't be able to eat. I mean, get up. So <laughs> it was hard to get up because of yesterday. And other thing I was thinking is. I mean, I was just reflecting on the point where Shri Prabhupada mentions. Uh, if we misuse our position and think that we are fully engaged in devotional service and can do whatever we like, we have to suffer like uh, Bharat Maharaj. And then Shri Prabhupada writes at the bottom that we should be careful. Uh, I was just reflecting that it's important that we don't misuse. There's a, mood, uh, uh, that, uh, there's a word that describes that entitlement. And entitlement is our enemy. The opposite of that is akinshana. Akinshana means I'm not entitled to anything. I'm, I don't have any asset. I'm only here as a beggar. Who let me in? I don't know. But somehow or other I got in here with these exalted souls and I'm, I'm, I'm given a chance. Don't think like I deserve something now because as soon as you do, Kunti says then, you, to the degree that you have entitlement, to that degree you can't get pure devotional service. So develop the sense of I'm a servant, I'm the servant, the servant. And somehow somebody made a mistake and let me in here. And I just I just happen to be here. And even if they did let me in, I'm the runt of the litter. And I'm not I'm not gonna survive without the, the, the help of, of the devotees. Okay, one more. Yes. Um, I uh, liked uh, in the translation, Bharat Maharaj is saying that because of my foolishness, I am get I got the body of dear. Sometimes, like what I think is, oh Krishna, oh Krishna, I am doing devotional service. You know, you should protect me. <laughs> you know, uh, and um, yeah, uh, you know, why are you doing this? Uh, but here, um, Bharat Maharaj is saying that because of my foolishness, I have been. I got the body of deer, and I don't think like that. I think, oh, I was doing devotional service. Why this happened to me like that? Yeah. So uh, that's the one of the quintessential attitudes that the Bhagavatam invites us to develop. Vipakam. There's a there's a hellish place called Kumbipaka, and Vipakam means that. Uh, okay. There's an old saying: if you find yourself in a hole. Stop digging. Also, if you find yourself cooking in a pot, turn the, turn the fire off. <laughs> Stop cooking yourself. So there's this sense that I'm doing it to myself. You're cooking yourself in the material world by 
your errant uh, decisions. So if you um, find yourself in that situation, then don't um, blame anybody else but yourself. Take responsibility for it and, and also find that it's Krishna's mercy to instruct you how to do that. It may not come to you all at once, but yes, please. To me, what struck me is that it says never again, but then my mind said, okay, then what's, what's again, do you know? So I was just thinking, and it dawned me in this purport that what is, what is again? So it's like utilizing the moment in a, in a positive way or, you know, utilizing enchanting, something I don't want to do it, but what I would do it. And securing the position in myself into doing it what is going to be actually more beneficial for my own progress. So that's why I was thinking how never again would be easier because, you know, securing position into something and utilizing into the more uh, devotional service or something engaging in mind in a different manner. Yeah, excellent point. And that's really the impetus from all of these is to take shelter of Krishna through the process of devotional service. Srivast Prabhu. I mean, and thank you for bringing up the point of cooking oneself. And um, <clears throat> in case it seems a little overtly macabre, so to speak, um, Yudhishthira Maharaj, when he was questioned by Yaksha uh, about different things, and then, you know, one of the questions it was, he was asked is like, Yaksha asks, asks Yudhishthira Maharaj, is, what's the news of this material world? And he says, Asmin maha moha mahe katahe suaryag niratri divendanena masa rutu darvi paragatanena bhutani kalo pachaditi vartaha. So he says that um, this material world is like a frying pan and uh, it is being lighted up by the fire of sun. Um, the days and night are the fuel. Um, and then the months and the seasons are the ladle that churns. And then, uh, who is the cook? Then, then uh, the, the living entities are being cooked in this fire, and the time is eating all of them. That is the news of this material world. Just lest in case it seems pretty, <laughs> it is. It is very much backed by the scripture about how. The, what is the news of this material existence? Yeah, it may have been hard to see a few years ago, but now it's a little clearer. <laughs> if you look at a map. A weather map of the United States, it looks like a little frying pan. <laughs> it's just red, and everyone's like, ah, almost like the copper planet. What a profound verse. Thank you for entering that into the discussion. Okay, so we have so far sick and tired. I'm sick and tired. I'm not doing this anymore. The next one is, I'll show them. Next one is, never again. And Prahlad Maharaj, in his prayers in the seventh canto, ninth chapter, his motivation is very instructive. It's that I'm doing this to please my guru. So oftentimes we think, like, oh, I can't do this. But if I think of it as service, I say, okay, I can't do it, but if I'm doing it for someone else, I can do it. And if I have this, if I'm lucky enough to have this relationship that, yes, I want to please my guru. It's such a compelling mood that 
okay, I'm fallen, I can't do anything, but I can rise to the occasion to please my guru because I love my guru. So this is Prahlad's mood and his motivation. And here's the verse that epitomizes it. 7, 9, 28. Evam janam dipatitam pravavahi kupe kama bikam anuya prapatam prasangat kridvatmasat surashina bhagavan grihita soham katam nu evam. My dear Lord, O Supreme Personality of Godhead, because of my association with material desires one after another, I was gradually falling into a blind well full of snakes, following the general populace. But your servant, Narada Muni, kindly accepted me as his disciple and instructed me how to achieve this transcendental position. Therefore, my first duty is to serve him. How could I leave his service? Purport, as will be seen in later verses, even though Prahlad Maharaj was directly offered all the benedictions he might have desired, he refused to accept such offerings from the Supreme Personality of Godhead. On the contrary, he asked the Lord to engage him in the service of his servant, Narada Muni. This is the symptom of a pure devotee. One should serve the spiritual master first. It is not that one should bypass the spiritual master and desire to serve the Supreme Lord. This is not the principle for a Vaishnav. Nartam Das Thakur says, One should not be anxious to offer direct service to the Lord. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu advised that one become a servant of the servant of the servant of the Lord. Gopi Bhartu Parakamalayor Das Das Anudasaha. This is the process for approaching the Supreme Lord. The first service should be rendered to the spiritual master so that by his mercy one can approach the Supreme Personality of Godhead to render service. While teaching Rupa Goswami, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, Guru Krishna Prasadi Pai Bhukti Lata Bij. One can achieve the seed of devotional service by the mercy of the Guru, the spiritual master, and then by the mercy of Krishna. This is the secret of success. First, one should try to please the spiritual master, and then which one should attempt to please the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur also says, Yesya prasadad, bhagavat prasado. One should not attempt to please the Supreme Personality of Godhead by concoction. One must first be prepared to serve the spiritual master, and when one is qualified, he is automatically offered the platform of direct service to the Lord. Therefore, Pallad Maharaj proposed that he engage in the service of Narada Muni. He never proposed that he engage directly in the service of the Lord. This is the right conclusion. Therefore, he says, Soham katam vam. How can I give up the service of my spiritual master, who has favored me in such a way that I am now able to see you face to face? Pallad Maharaj prayed to the Lord that he might continue to engage in the service of his spiritual master, Narada Muni. So this is the uh, <clears throat> perfect alignment for one attempting to advance in devotional service is to have this sense of love for the spiritual master and to want to serve. And uh, this, I'm repeating what I just said, is extremely um, compelling because even though I may not do it for myself, I may do it for uh, love of my guru and appreciation and gratitude. 
Does anybody want to make a point or ask a question? Yes, Prabhu. One, two. Hare Krishna Maharaj, thank you for all the amazing examples. Uh, Maharaj, one question I had was, how do we as practicing sadhakas uh, develop detachment or rather a sense of disgust toward uh, the idea of trying to enjoy separately from Krishna in ungrateful ways? How do you develop a sense for it? A well, sense of detachment or disgust toward the idea of enjoying separately and ungratefully. Well, much of our disposition is born of our own natures. Krishna describes in the 11th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam about how people have different natures. So in fact, in teaching Uddhava, he says those who are extremely disgusted with the material world, they, they're, they're adhikaryas for jnana. Those who are extremely interested in enjoying the material world their path is karma. But for those who have a balance, balanced view of life, they're disgusted with the material world and they also know how to uh, live in the material world and take just enough sense gratification so that they can be healthy and, and uh, fit. Uh, they're for, for bhakti. They see both sides. So how do we become more disgusted? It's not that uh, necessarily we have to try for it. Uh, although Krishna says also to Uddhava in the 11th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam that um, uh, he says that there's four kinds of evidence one should use Shruti Pratyaksham Aitiyam Anumanam Chatushtayam Pramaneshvanavastanad Vikalpatsavirajite so it's Vikalpat savirajite means you should develop a sense that the material world is unstable. It's not stable, it's not going to stick. By using Anuman, see that you look at a geological map or a geopolitical map and just see how everything's always changing. And also, See for yourself how everything falls apart in your life and also take it from uh, Shastra and also from traditional wisdom. There are lots of sayings about that, how things slip through your fingers. And in that way, he said, become a little detached from the material world. Disgust sort of comes of its own accord, I think. Uh, yes, Prabhu. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Um, you spoke about um, Mahatma Das, you say something about him. I never remember that he said that uh, we have like a level zero of satisfaction and each one has different type of satisfaction in order to their karma and lifestyle and yeah. So to practice Krishna consciousness, we must be at least in that level, and for each one is different. Like, for example, one people need like one pair, one pair of shoes, and the other one needs like five to be in that level. So that detachment uh, is like specific for, for each one. And of course, we must see if that uh, desires are growing or are, are going down. 
Yeah, we, we should uh, be self-examining. And one of the times that's specifically mentioned in the Shastra for doing that is when you chant japa. Because it's a time, swadhyayaha, when you observe yourself and say, how much do I, I like this? Can I even sit here and do this? Or am I being called in every direction? If you don't measure yourself, if you don't observe yourself, then you can't know if you're improving or not. So uh, one's uh, biometrics, if you don't measure them, then anything can happen. Like people never check in to see how their bodies are doing. Oftentimes they get surprised like, hey, guess what? You're really ill. Uh, you didn't even know it because you know you haven't been watching. And therefore, because you weren't watching, measuring, trying to stay at a certain level, then you kind of, you know, you lost the sense of what was okay to eat and not to eat and so forth. So we have to measure ourselves and see how we're doing. Okay, the last one, are you ready? Yes. Okay, this is, comes from Gajendra. <laughs> and his mood is epitomized by this following statement. I need help. I need help. I once, as I've said many times before, but I love the story, obviously, that I was distributing books in Santa Cruz on the street. Um, I was with our beloved previous Pujari, who's, uh, who went away to take care of his mother and then could never come back because of visa problems. And uh, we haven't seen him since. <laughs> that day he walked out of the temple and said, I'll be right back. And we were, we were there on the street and he distributed a book to this young woman who had two kids. And then he taught her the mantra. And she said, what does it mean? So I leaned over to see what he was going to say. And he just said three words. I need help. <laughs> I thought that's a, a nice way to think of it. So Gajendra is epitomized by the following verse from the Srimad Bhagavatam, where in his prayers of surrender to the Supreme Personality of Godhead at 8, 3, 20 through 21, he says, Unalloyed devotees who have no desire other than to serve the Lord worship him in full surrender and always hear and chant about his activities, which are most wonderful and auspicious. Thus, they always merge in an ocean of transcendental bliss. Such devotees never ask the Lord for any benedictions. I, however, am in danger. Thus, I pray to that Supreme Personality of God who is eternally existing, who is invisible, who is the Lord of all great personalities, such as Brahma, and who is available only by transcendental bhakti yoga. Being extremely subtle, he is beyond the reach of my senses and transcendental to all external realization. He is unlimited. He is the original cause, and he is completely full in everything. I offer my obeisances unto him. Prabhupada says, one should render transcendental loving service to the Supreme Lord Krishna favorably and without desire for material profit or gain through fruit of activity or philosophical speculation. That is called pure devotional service. Unalloyed devotees have nothing to ask from the Supreme Personality of Godhead but Gajendra, the king of the elephants, was circumstantially 
asking for an immediate benediction because he had no other way to be rescued. Sometimes, when there is no alternative, a pure devotee, being fully dependent on the mercy of the Supreme Lord, prays for some benediction. But in such a prayer, there is also regret. One, all, one who always hears and chants about the transcendental pastimes of the Lord is always situated on the platform on which he has nothing to ask in terms of material benefits. Unless one is a completely pure devotee, one cannot enjoy the transcendental bliss derived from chanting and dancing in the ecstasy of the Sankirtan movement. Such ecstasy is not possible for an ordinary devotee. Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu showed us one who can how one can enjoy transcendental bliss simply by chanting, hearing, and dancing in ecstasy. This is bhakti yoga. Therefore, the king of the elephants, Gajendra, said, Adhyatmika yogamyam, indicating that unless one is situated in this transcendental platform, on this transcendental platform, one cannot approach the Supreme Lord. The benediction of being able to approach the Lord can be achieved after many, many births. Yet Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has awarded this benediction to everyone, even to the fallen souls who have no heritage of anything in spiritual life. That's a nice phrase. That is actually being seen in the Krishna consciousness movement. Therefore, the path of bhakti yoga is a spotless process by which to approach the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Bhaktya hum ikayagrayam. Only through devotional service can one approach the Supreme Lord. The Lord says in Bhagavad Gita, Mayasakta manaparta yogam yunjan marashraya asamshrayam shamagramam yatagyasasi tachrinu. Now here, O Sanaprita Arjuna, how by practicing yoga in full consciousness of me, with mind attached to me, you can know me in full, free from doubt. Simply by being attached to Krishna consciousness and by thinking of the lotus feet of Krishna constantly, one can fully understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead without a doubt. Last couple points, and then we'll have some announcements. And that is that for devotees whose lives are fully dedicated to Krishna, asking for help at particular junctures is not prohibited because as is... Uh, given by Jiva Goswami and Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur in their commentaries to the Bhaktivar Samrita Sindhu. One's body is used as an instrument to serve Krishna. Uh, one's family also is integral in one's uh, existence here in the material world and practice of devotional service. And other accoutrements that we may have and use in the service of the Lord are part of our practice. And therefore, if the devotee happens to ask the Lord, please help when there's an emergency, this is not outside the realm of pure devotional service. It's First of all, it's natural. And second of all, it is uh, because a person's fully utilizing everything, not an inordinate request. In other words, one's not asking for oneself but is asking for the sake of maintaining one's practice of devotional service. However, we should be careful to note that when uh, Krishna takes away uh, certain unwanted things, we should also find the lesson in that rather than 
remaining attached, and then, as you were pointing out, saying, you know, Krishna, why me? Why didn't you pick somebody else? Because, after all, I am better than everyone else, and I didn't deserve this. So, uh, Gajendra has this mood we can all relate to. At one point or another in our life, we'll realize that there's a crocodile on our leg. And there's a point at which I might then have the revelation that I can't shake it. There's no way I can get this crocodile off my leg. Did I say alligator and then crocodile? I hope that was okay. And so we should be aware of the fact that we're helpless and also call for help uh, from Krishna. They do it in, in Vrindavan, but be aware of the fact that uh, Krishna is already uh, aware in helping us. But this is one of the imp this is an impetus for us to move uh, closer to Krishna is by realizing that he's the one protecting me, he's the one maintaining me, and therefore, Krishna, what can I do without your help? Om Tat Sat. So just as a summary of the five different moods in which we may, may find some impetus, we may find a mixture of these in our lives. And the first one is, I'm sick and tired of this. I'm not taking it anymore. You have to have a Dave Dibbern moment. And the next one is Dhruv. Dhruv Maharaj, I'll show them. Never underestimate the power of I'll show them if you really want to get fired up. And then the next one is never again, Bharat Maharaj. And if we can be aware of the fact that I've said that many times by being awakened by the words of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu through the pen of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, where he says, Jeev Jago, Jeev Jago, Gauta Chandra Bole. You already said that before. Realize that you've said it billions of times in, many, in billions of wombs where he said, never again, never again, oops, I forgot. And now we start over again. So try to become fully aware of that and say never again with your heart. Prahlad Maharaj, only please my guru. And if you can't do it for yourself, do it for your guru. Peter Burwash Prabhu, who I'm sorry to say recently passed away from this world just recently on the 7th of July. I wasn't informed. I thought I would be, but... Um, Somehow it didn't happen. And because uh, he had asked me that if if it comes up, could you come down? And I, I said, absolutely, yes. But I called a few times and I didn't hear anything back. And then uh, all of a sudden I just got the news that he was already gone. Uh, why did I bring that up? He used to say that he, he would think, what would I do? Uh, is driving down the street, he would think, if my spiritual master was sitting next to me in the car, how would I be driving right now? Would I curse at somebody when they didn't put on their turn signal? Or would I turn on the radio and listen to, you know, K-pop or whatever that's called? Uh, and so forth. Um, so, you know, there's a way to kind of consider things in, in light of service to my spiritual master that may bring us to a higher level that, that we wouldn't do for ourselves. It's kind of an amazing principle. And then finally, Gajendra, I need help. Everyone say, I need help. I need help. Yeah, so we can call out to, to the Lord for his help in that way. Thank you very much for your kind attention. It was certainly um, extensive. Yes, Malini?
Prabhu, the point that you were mentioning about Devahutis, um, that um, she was frustrated, um, disgusted. Um, I was thinking that many people in the life go, th go through these situations and some may take help from things may not necessarily be helping. Uh, but I was thinking how that connects to Prahlad's, um, Prahlad's prayer that, you know, I, um, you have kindly sent me a spiritual master so um, I, can, I, can, I just want to serve my spiritual master. So it's also to know what is the right solution uh, is also very important. And I was thinking how when you go out on Sankirtan, you meet a lot of people who are in this situation of frustration. Um, sometimes they may not even know that they need help, um, but the devotees um, somehow give them spiritual knowledge and the right medicine. So I was just reflecting how it's so important. Such a good point. By, by giving Krishna consciousness, we see its efficacy for ourselves. We also see the various human conditions and in administering the medicine, we also realize how much we need it as well. I have to say, last night, when we were watching the different people uh, interact with the, with the presence of the Supreme Personality of God in the form of His holy name, it, it's, it's quite interesting. I mean, the world gets animated around, around the holy name. There were those couple of dancers. And... I really felt like they were sincerely trying to, you know, in the obviously state of intoxication and so forth, but they could have danced anywhere. And they, they weren't doing it in a menacing way, although, you know, sometimes it felt, you know, it was like slightly annoying, uh, you know, but that very slight feeling was, uh, I felt much more, um, I, f I felt that, wow, they're actually, like Krishna's taking this as, <laughs> you know, as a service. They're trying to do something. They're really trying hard. I mean, I don't know how they kept it up for so long. Calisthenics, push-ups, uh, <laughs> kung fu moves, everything, ballet, uh, Michael Jackson, everything mixed in and just so sincerely trying to, like, show, like, we, you know, we're with you. We're, we're dancing here. And when we, when we watch how other people become mesmerized by the holy name and how it goes out then we realize that we really have a blessing so to realize the blessing we have in our life we have to give it out as much as possible and the more we can distribute it this is one of the meanings to the chaitanya charamrita saying that the more that the members of the panchatapha distributed the contents the more it's increased so it increases in us that's one of the ways that it increases we give it out and then we have this more of a perspective of, of what it is we're giving because we see how it brings people alive. And we say, wow, it can really do that? Maybe I should take it more seriously. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, yeah, we have to stop. So we'll take these later because um, it's 10 to 10. We still have announcements and everyone's got to make it to their next programs and everyone was up late last night. Is that the right thing to do? Yeah, okay. So now we have some announcements. First, we have a very short announcement from Bhakti Community and then a brief announcement from our Sankirtan department. And we also want to thank everyone who joined us on Zoom today. Let's please give them a, a warm... Uh, Hare Krishna.
thank you to uh, Shastra. Oh, yes. I would like to thank Shastra Sarprada. I had this idea last night. I just kind of sketched it down in my book, but while we were driving to the temple this morning, I called Shastra Sarprada and I said, uh, I need some references. I said, where are you? And he said, I'm at the temple. And he just finished his rounds. And it was perfect timing. So I, I felt it was Krishna's arrangement. So I told him uh, what each one of these was aiming at, and he went through and found each verse and marked it. And that's why he sits back there. <laughs> <laughs>